environmental deficiencies if you will that are associated with bottle packaging specifically today directly lead to economical losses in the system so labels which is what we are focusing on labels usually are made of a different plastic resin type which means that recyclers have to separate out the label from the bottle a process that's extremely inefficient right now the magnetic ink that we are selling essentially allows label manufacturers to offer a recyclable product which means that the labels themselves can get picked up welcome to babson bill where we showcase babson founders and entrepreneurs people who have tried failed and tried again they are the change makers the disruptors the hustlers and the builders these are their stories My name is Alex Kennedy, and I'm here with Ravish Majithia from Magnumer. Uh, thanks for taking the time. How's it going? No worries, man. Thanks a lot for being here. Great. Um, so why don't we just start by just tell us a little bit about Magnumer. When did it start? What do you guys do? Sure. Uh, so Magnumer is a uh, packaging design startup. We essentially have a materials-based approach to solving the problem of recyclability of packaging. Um, what we do is uh, we apply magnetizable coatings to things such as uh, bottle labels, bottle caps, which enables recyclers to magnetically sort out these items from the recycled stream. Um, and sorting is a huge issue. Right now, the inability to sort as directly leads to contamination. Bad sorting leads to lower recyclability, and therefore, the environmental problems that we all face today because of plastic packaging. So, what we are trying to do is solve it from a design standpoint, wherein we are saying that we can still use our current supply chains. We can still use plastic, which is a very um manufacturing friendly and has very low carbon and water footprint when it comes to manufacturing that those things yes we need to reuse as possible and reduce our overall usage but in cases where we do need to use plastic is a good material so let's just find a way to recycle the plastic solving the problem of sortation which is which is the biggest bottleneck in recycling mm-hmm. is what we are trying to solve that's gotcha. um, cool and uh how big is your team and when did you guys like launch in earnest? Sure. Uh, so we are a team of three. Uh, it's myself and two other co-founders. And um, we we launched in 2017 uh, around the Babson Summer Venture Program. Um, that's when we filed for our first provisional patent in the July of 2017. And um, initially for a bulk of 17, we essentially were in this market exploration and R&D phase wherein we had this idea of using magnetization and magnetics as ways to sort something, but we didn't really know which packaging to apply this to or how that work uh, as a business. Uh, it was more of an idea on paper. Um, we really started putting the business model together in the uh, in early months of 2018, and uh, since then we have gotten a fair amount of traction this year. Cool. Talk a little bit about, about your background and how does that fit into this? Sure. So I am a material scientist by training. Um, 
I got my PhD from Texas A&M in material science. Basically, I'm a chemistry geek. I I like to mix things up, you know, see what happens. And the idea of using magnetization as means to pick up or sort packaging was actually something that occurred to me during my PhD days. I was um on a research program trip to the UK in Swansea University which is in Wales in 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 the UK and in Europe in general you have people sorting everything before they discard and i saw like like six bins out there and you know i was living in texas college station texas and recycling wasn't really a thing there and it kind of was like all right this is interesting and then that kind of got me curious as to the problem because it seemed like a very onerous thing to do and no wonder it isn't working um and what i what i gradually just in my downtime i kind of researched and found that single stream recycling basically is kind of a honor system where they are focusing on customers and consumers to sort items um and there is essentially an entire industry trying to sort this stuff out before they can bale it and melt it back into new packaging items so that's when kind of the idea of like hey why are people using magnetization as means to like sort out things started but i didn't really do much about it until 2050 mm. and so when was that when you first had that idea that realization in in 2015 yeah. was uh was and this again i guess was a function of where i was so yeah. um I, after my phd i i graduated in 2012 and i started working for intel um and in their r&d facilities in hillsboro oregon and uh working in hillsboro which is just a suburb of portland you know i was again in this place where there are a lot of environmentally conscious people trying to recycle right trying to um you know do the right thing and i kept on uh seeing all sorts of mixed messaging around recycling one of the things that really struck me was oh don't recycle plastic bags which like really seemed odd because i know that plastic bags are a material that should be easy to recycle mm. the polyethylene so again i started kind of researching more about why that that really happens and it it came back down to the same problem of sorting items so that's when it really crystallized to me that hey why not just have a have a magnetic ink that gets printed onto these packaging items which could effectively replace any ink that's already been printed except this one would be a design by means which the item get get picked up and therefore recycled that's really interesting i'm curious whether Did you have kind of this itch at all that you you wanted to do build something and be an entrepreneur before you had this idea or did the idea really provoke you know the the drive to No the the itch definitely preceded yeah. the idea. <laughs> so I during my time in Texas A&M along with my PhD I got an entrepreneurship minor my my then advisor uh, still a mentor Ken Meisner kind of encouraged me to you know explore that curiosity uh i took classes which basically helped me understand you know how to go from an idea to something doing something around making it a business working business model so yeah the 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 curiosity and wanting to build something a build a business came before and i think a lot of it also has to do with my upbringing so my dad is an entrepreneur uh he runs his own business 
um, he employs, I believe, close to 15 uh, people. It's a smaller business, but it's not a very labor-intensive thing. So it, they, they do well with a smaller team. He started building the business when I was in college. So I saw him build that business from day one. And it kind of was a very exciting process. It had to own, you know, downs definitely, but it seemed very exciting. So that's how it all got started for me. So... I have here just a note. You were featured by Poets and Quants, and you were uh, one of the best MBAs of 2018. Congratulations. Thank you. So there's a profile there, and in that profile, I think this is a quote from you. Uh, it says, a material scientist by training, a chemist at heart, and an entrepreneur in the works. <laughs> That's, those are your words? They are my words, yeah. So I'm curious that a chemist at heart are you doing chemistry now in your bit? Are you building something that's based on chemistry? And, and if not, how do you reconcile the fact that that is, because it seems like this is not pure chemistry. It is actually pure oh, chemistry. It is? Okay. Yeah. So what, what we are, our product is a novel ink, hmm. which can be applied on packaging items so that recycling processes get enabled. The product itself is a pure chemistry item. Hmm. I am still a chemist at heart. I, I am not, in the lab mixing stuff day to day if but I with my co-founders that's kind of what we talk about we we are talking about chemistry and how to when we talk about product development it is how to refine the product from a chemistry standpoint interesting and I'm very involved in the in the technical discussions day to day around that that's really helpful because when I was researching this it seemed to me that the main, the crux of it was the magnetic components that the sorting facilities would use. But it sounds like it's actually the ink that goes onto the packaging that is really, I mean, is that the, the bigger piece of this? Yes. So, okay. so, it, uh, so it inevitably, and, and this is where we as a, as a company maybe need to like be more disciplined in our messaging because mm-hmm. we talk a lot about recycling even from a company standpoint and that inevitably leads people to imagine like huge machines and dump trucks and so on so that is the infrastructure of of and and that is the process we are trying to enable but the product that is doing that is a a magnetic ink that gets printed onto a a bottle or a cap so then how do you incentivize your customers I mean beyond like you're helping the environment by using this product I mean because from the standpoint of the sorting facilities I can see a very clear value proposition of this is making our processes more efficient right Right. but from the standpoint of the label printers right or manufacturers why beyond helping the environment would they want this? That's a great question. And that's a question that investors ask us all the time. Um, and the answer to that is the environmental deficiencies, if you will, that are associated with bottle packaging specifically today directly lead to economical uh, economical losses in the system. So labels is what we are focusing on. Labels usually are made of a different plastic resin type, which means that recyclers have to separate out the label from the bottle, a process that's extremely inefficient right now. Uh, the magnetic ink that we are selling essentially allows labeled manufacturers to offer a recyclable product, 
which means that the labels themselves can get picked up and they do not now quote unquote contaminate the bottle resin and therefore the bottle recyclability value goes up mm. right mm. Um, and who cares about bottle recyclability uh, yes the recyclers do but the recyclers care only about re- bottle uh, bottle recyclability because there's an end market for that plastic mm. resin and the buyers of that end market are uh, the pepsicos and the coca-colas mm. of the world so in the US, for example, PepsiCo is the largest buyer of RPET. RPET is recycled PET, and that's used in bottle manufacturing. Mm-hmm. PepsiCo, for example, uh, has recently this huge public-facing goal, which talked about 33% recycled content in bottle packaging. Now, you think of the size of PepsiCo and the amount of bottles they, they manufacture, recycled content is a goal that is ambitious to put it very mildly. Mm -hmm. There isn't enough recycled PET supply in the market for that to happen. And the reason there isn't enough supply Mm -hmm. is because everything that's going in the recycle chain, most of it gets downcycled. Mm -hmm. Only 2% of all bottles get back to bottle grade plastic. And that is a direct function of recyclers not being able to sort out the label because the label is a different plastic type and you can't melt those two together. So what we are solving effectively is a supply chain problem. PepsiCo committed to a 50% recycled content goal by 2030. Now again, those are ambitious goals um, and these are public companies that face public pressure to you know, reduce their environmental footprint. So if those goals are to become a reality, the contamination in the recycle stream needs to be removed and the contamination can be removed by innovation such as what we offer to the market. Gotcha. That's really interesting. So it's almost like these big companies are, it's multifaceted in that they're they're buying and selling. So by making the process Circular, yeah. It's it's a circular process, and you're you're making it more efficient for them. That's really interesting. Uh, so this thirty three percent stat that you cited, I mean, do you see that as a reality in the short to medium term, or I mean, when? If so, when? Absolutely. I mean, if you if you I mean, history is the proof of what can happen in the future, right? So if you look 10, 15 years ago, all these companies were uh, committing to being carbon neutral, you know, reducing their uh, environmental footprint, reducing their greenhouse gas emissions in their manufacturing operations and so on. And they have met all those. So we are kind of in that same space when it comes to packaging that all these companies are saying that, all right, seven years from now, 10 years from now, we will use X amount of recycled content in our bottles. We will use, reuse X, Y amount of packaging. And I, I don't really see a reason not to believe them because it is not just one company that's saying it. It is an entire industry and sectors of companies that are saying this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely see that that as being possible and fostering innovation because these companies are not saying that we will do this while sacrificing profits. They're saying that we will do this along with being profitable. And that just leaves room for innovation. And if we can provide a benefit which uh, does not impact their profitability or sometimes can actually increase profitability, why not? Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? 
The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This spring, the Blank Center will present its new venture competition, the Beta Challenge, which recognizes Babson businesses for taking action. Join the Babson community on Thursday, April 11th at the Beta Challenge finale and watch the top alumni and student teams compete for more than $200,000 in cash and prizes. To learn more, please visit www.babson.edu slash beta challenge. I'm interested to hear a little more about your brand. And so your name is Magnumer. Where that name came from and what does that mean? So it, it, it basically came from me just being a little silly. Um, <laughs> so the idea of using magnetic ink, etc. as an application for doing this to to be printing plastic packaging polymers yeah. um, came about. And, um, you know, I like, why, why isn't a magnetic polymer around? You know, why isn't someone, maybe there is. So I started looking that up and magnetic polymers are a, a very uh, quirky research item as far as I could tell. Mm-hmm. If there's someone out there listening to this and like, oh, I work on magnetic polymers, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm, and I'm happy to hear more about magnetic polymers. But as far as I can tell, there isn't a commercial solution for that. So, And, and that's what the name came about. So like, all right, magnet and polymer, and I just mix them up. The other reason I came up with that name is I always kind of like the name Microsoft. I thought it was a very interesting play on words wherein they are building software for microcontrollers and that's how the name Microsoft came about. So I, I like names which have implied mission mm. uh, but at the same time are bigger than a simple name. They mm-hmm. they, they convey a, a message. So, I mean, since you brought this up, I'll dig into that a little bit. So, so what would you say is that message that if you had to distill it and you would... So the message has evolved. Uh, the message initially was a new way to a new way to design plastic packaging. Mm-hmm. But then what it has evolved into, and, and the design element remains still central, um, but it has evolved into a design to recycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason that is, is um, when we look at all sorts of plastic packaging, they are designed for manufacturability. They're designed for ergonomics. They're designed for functionality. They're designed for aesthetics. But they're not designed to recycle. Um, And that we saw as, or we still continue to see as a big gap in the market. But that's what the messaging is, that we are a a technology which enables a design to recycle. Got it. What can the, the everyday person or consumer do to you know make an impact or contribute because this is such a massive problem obviously and a lot of there's there's high awareness too i mean you know environmental sustainability is not a new thing right but do you have a tip on like what to do with your plastic spoon or even just because i mean it, and it's, it's complicated too i know i i learned a lot recently about how you're not supposed to put a spoon necessarily like you, you know, can't recycle a plastic spoon, right? Exactly. You can't. And that's, it, it was funny, uh, or it is funny, because cutlery, plastic cutlery was our first uh, product yeah. that we started out with. The reason you can't recycle a plastic spoon has nothing to do with the the spoon itself. The spoon usually often is made up of one of two different plastics, 
both of them are recyclable and one of them actually is a very active market polypropylene people can't get enough of recycled polypropylene mm-hmm. in the market the reason you can't recycle the spoon is because it's too small mm-hmm. um that spoon essentially when it goes to a a large sorting facility it is just too small uh for it to be actually sorted and it falls through a initial sieve which usually is about a 2 inch uh diameter so the spoon typically as it's falling through from top of a conveyor belt because it is usually heavy and the head it will fall vertically which means a, a very high proportion of spools is fall through that sieve yeah. and they end up very interestingly mixing with the other less than 2 inch materials which is mostly glass mm. so broken glass and spoons mix with each other and that actually reduces the recycle value of glass the best thing i can i can um i can recommend people do is pay attention to uh, single stream uh, signage mm-hmm. a lot of them the signage actually tells you what and what you should and shouldn't throw and the signage is directly a function of the capability of the system mm-hmm. and there's nothing almost very little to do with the plastic or the material that you are trying to discard back to your company a little bit are are you guys generating revenue now and if not when do you expect to be i mean a lot of startups are not revenue generating in yeah. early years yeah so we are we are uh we are focused or not focused on i should say we are focused on getting our first commercial pilot out the door but we are um, supported by grants at this point okay. so you know we we are supported the we won the bass and beta challenge um, we won the mass challenge uh, gold award and founders money and uh, some small other grants have meant that we have been able to uh, bootstrap so far and uh, we are kind of kicking up at a notch by uh doing this with partners now so one of the things biggest things on our plate is onboarding customers and partners to deploy this product at a pilot scale in certain markets and actually test it out with a uh, a third party which gives out industry grade certifications so so those will be revenue generating projects so 2019 is where we hope to be truly positive in terms of overall revenue uh but so far it's we we have not generated revenue to product but we have been basically a company that has gotten grants to support itself so far yeah absolutely we've had a lot of success with with the grants and one mass challenge as i think you might have mentioned and so yeah that's uh it'll be exciting to see where you guys go so in that vein uh what is success look like for you and i mean how will you know when you when you're there So I think I it's it's kind of hard to answer that question because there is a mission to what we're trying to do um and that is clear that the the definition of success in terms of the mission is clear the steps to get there are are clear in the short term but in 4 to 5 years they could change depending on market conditions so I'll, I'll go with the extreme long term mission our mission is to enable recyclability on the products that we see a market need and a market fit right now um we absolutely see a strong market need for bottle labels and and recyclability of bottle packaging so in the short term our our we we are defining success by deploying this product in conjunction with large scale manufacturers in 2019 and 
long term the idea is to is to continue doing this on multiple different products because this need for sortation is not a need that is going to stop with one bottle label product it is true across a wide variety of plastic packaging so we talked about success and you've seen a lot of success in the startup competition circuit and the incubators and what about failure the the failures essentially have been around investors accelerators customers mm-hmm. not either seeing the economic benefit and or not seeing the need it is more often been the economic benefit most people see the need for this in the market even even the most skeptical of stakeholder that i have spoken to they see that yeah i can see why this is needed but i don't know if someone will pay for it and most of our failures have been around will someone want to pay for it because environmental benefits are still thought of as oh it is someone else's problem yeah. right so what would you say are your biggest challenges like specifically that you're you're working on solving for your company and what what are the roadblocks that you're trying to overcome so the biggest challenge is and i don't know if this is just unique to us but probably for all startups when you have a value proposition in the market that is new it's now it's it's exploring this blue ocean of opportunities right the externality of that is you know the the it it's not a pure transaction it's not like hey i'm selling you x you give me y and and because of that we we have to convince a customer we have to convince a recycler we have to we ha- basically have to make a case for them um in order to make a case it comes down to meeting people writing proposals applying for things so on and so forth every time we do that it it comes down to yeah but there are three other folks telling me something else so why are you right and why are they wrong so we just continually have to make a case and as a small startup we don't have the credibility to say that hey this is the reason why we think we are right we have the data to back it up now we are a lot of times unknowns in them so that i think is the biggest roadblock that we need to it 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 will take time and we need to build that credibility and that recognition in the market so do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs who are maybe a little bit a couple steps behind you you know in in terms of building their own businesses and how to approach it that is going to be a short answer i don't have really went off on tangents here but this is a short answer don't give up <laughs> don't give up nice i mean if you if you believe your stuff if you if you really are convinced that there is a need don't give up what what else did did Babson do for you i mean that you know you're talking a little bit about the little spurts of maybe inspiration and what do you think is the biggest thing that you got out of that in in, in many ways i i joke with my co-founders that Babson has been this this uh silent co-founder in magnum and yeah. not take an equity and given us a fair amount of money it's <laughs> you know, like a great not co-founder a deal. yeah i know right uh so so babson if if you go out in the in the startup world you know you will you will run into people who say that we support early stage ideas and mass challenge is one of the one of those yeah. organizations certainly but even to get into mass challenge there is you can't get in with an idea mm. there has to be some meat around the bones babson is a place where you do that yeah. where you literally can go into uh your program with an idea with a fail safe that hey if this doesn't work i always have a degree to fall back on and 
there are a lot of resources they offer that will help you build that idea. What Babson can do and what others cannot is actually really take a very, very nascent idea and and throw resources at you and allow you to develop milestones. And all right, if you do X, we will do Y. Do you want to talk a little bit about Mass, mass Challenge and that experience? Of- sure. I'll be honest, I did not expect us to win. So so Mass Challenge itself has been a very amazing experience, largely because when you are down and working on your own business, you you have these milestones and you're trying to, you know, reach out to customers and build your product and everything. It it kind of feels sometimes that the the road is endless. Like, where does this go? And how far do I have to go without some external validation? Mass challenge is that external validation. And it, they provide, it, it's kind of like being in Babson again, where they provide the mentorship and they provide the networking opportunities. Towards the end, I kind of want to explore what it means to be an entrepreneur and the drive behind that. And what do you think drives you deep down? To, to, be an, to want to be an entrepreneur and to, to tackle this large problem? I'm a, I, I like to solve problems. I like to solve... So I, I, I'm an engineer, a material scientist, and a chemist, right? All of those have a single element in common. They are all problem-solving professions. Um, so this last question is actually taken from NPR's How I Built This. Um, so I'll credit Guy Raz with, with this question, but uh, how much do you think your success so far in Magnum or success is based on luck and how much do you think it's based on skill and hard work? I would say about at least close to 5 to 10% luck because... 5 to 10%. Yeah, because so one of the things that happened and the, the reason I say that is in March of this year, in March of 2018, the Chinese national SWOT policy went into effect. Uh, like the Chinese national SWOT policy has completely transformed the overall economics of recycling. So the the Chinese national SWOT policy is a policy put out by the biggest importer of recyclable goods in the world, where they have refused to accept bales of commodities that are supposed to be quote-unquote recyclable but have contamination in them. And the the level of contamination that they have said that they would accept, accept is less than 0.5%. Mm. That is an unachievable number. Mm. A lot of people say that, hey, that's just a part of the trade war, but there is ample evidence to suggest that it's not just that. The real problem is that there is contamination in the system, in the recycle system, i.e. lack of sorting, which means that the recycle process is economically not viable. And until until March of this year, the problem always existed. It was a big problem. It was also business as usual for, for packaging companies, for recyclers and all of these, for consumers. Like if you are paying 50 bucks a month for your trash to go away, not knowing where away is, away is seven seas around the world, you know what, the problem is taken care of. Now that China has stopped accepting that, all that recyclable stuff is here domestically. We have to figure out what to do with it. Governments are getting involved, communities are getting involved, consumers are getting aware and involved. And 
by function these uh, recyclers and packaging manufacturers need to come up with solutions we are a solution that enables recyclability and reduces contamination so if that policy weren't in place uh, and who knows it goes away in 6 months we 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 wouldn't have had the kind of attention to this problem Ravish Majithia from Magnumer. Uh, really exciting to see see where this goes in the world of recycling. And uh, best of luck. Thanks for the time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.